This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig, and I've uh, taken the show on the road again. Uh, we were out in California about a month ago, and now we are in Memphis, Tennessee. So I'm uh, with a couple of our leaders here in Memphis. I've got our regional director, Jay Thompson, with us. Uh, welcome, Jay. Thank you, Brian. And I've got Ben Reed, who's on Jay's board and one of the first uh, guys here to get the journey really going uh, here in Memphis. So. So we really want to tell all of you what's the this movement of influencers and how it's it's moving across the country and want to give you guys a little window of what's happening in Memphis, Tennessee. So, uh, so Jay, I'll, I'll let you go first and uh, just want to hear a little bit about about how you know influencers got started here and how your involvement came in and uh, and same with you, Ben, how you got involved and then uh, and then I want you guys to tell them some stories about some some transformation you've seen here in Memphis. So. Uh, so, Jay, why don't you start? Okay. It's kind of cool to be here with Ben because it, uh, it all started with he and I searching for men to go deeper. And that was in 2012. And so we would take men to lunch and kind of ask them what was resonating in their heart, anything in their spirit. And uh, we got a bunch of uh, blank faces uh, during that time. And uh, the next year, 2013, we were introduced uh, to the journey process by Howard Jones. And Howard has a process of interviewing men. Um, to be in his group and uh, I read Journey to the Inner Chamber and was just moved by it and I uh, spent a lunch with Howard and I said Howard I said I, I want to be in I said but I need to bring this guy with me uh, named Ben Reed and he said okay so to our knowledge Ben was one of the first people to not be interviewed <laughs> by Howard to be in a group <laughs> and so uh, Ben and I went through the process in 2013 together and uh, I, I've got to say for Howard's uh, diligence in this ministry in Memphis he led two years without any duplication, or really three years without duplication, counting our year. And so 2014 was the first year that this ministry really started to take off. And uh, Ben and I led a group, and Howard led a group that year. And uh, so from 2000, the end of 2014, so to really 2015 until present, uh, we've had around 250, almost 300 men go through the journey process here in Memphis. And so we've seen the duplication in the past, you know, two and a half years. Uh, we're in the process of uh, launching groups. At the end of this month, we did a big push of uh, recruiting men, recruiting guides, and we will. Uh, we're looking to launch in ten groups at the end of this month in March. Mm-hmm. And so the spirit's really moving and resonating in the hearts of men. It's been a very uh, uh, marinating process and very spirit-led, just day by day, seeing how the spirit would move. You know, the duplication of it. So, so tell me, Jay, what was the biggest thing that impacted you personally about go, after you went through the journey? Um, I, I would say midway through, um, just when you're focusing on, on the Spirit and, and discerning um, how the Spirit communicates. Um, one of the things that hit me, um, having a biblical studies degree, having been raised in church, um, I met Jesus when I was eight years old, and I've always had conviction and I've always been thankful for that. But one of the things that hit me through the process was uh, hindrances to prayer and, and the part of uh, honoring your wife and respecting your wife so your prayers won't be hindered. Mm. And so I realized that I didn't know everything. <laughs> I realized that I needed more. I realized that 
the abiding relationship is an intentional one. Um, and so for me personally, that was one of the, the turning points. It, it was a, uh, a humbling process of realizing my need um, for that abiding relationship, my desire for that, not fully understanding that that was what I was seeking after, but it met that, it fulfilled that desire I had for a relationship with God. And, and it really enhanced my, my marriage and my view of marriage and respecting and honoring my bride. And, and I think um, seeing other men impacted uh, because you get to the front row seat of seeing other men's stories and seeing the spirit penetrate their heart and their mind. Um, and so that's, that's what resonated with me um, to really want to take this thing to other men. Um, it, it was kind of like we had the pre-dated, we, we, we knew there was more, we didn't know what. Mm-hmm. Then we discovered the what, and then we needed to process how do we get this in the hands you know, of other men to, to experience the same thing. You sound like me when I was in Tulsa. I mean, I'd been looking for the tool. I didn't even know what it was. Right. I just knew discipleship was part of it, but how do you do that? And right. then I, all of a sudden I thought, I have the tool I've been looking for. So Right. And, and it resonated with me because you, you would always hear, I need to go deeper. I desire to go deeper. Man, I'm missing something. And it was almost a fog. And being introduced to this process and seeing how the Spirit brought it to us, it's undeniable. That, that God's hand is, is all over it and, and the fruit from that since then. So. Mm-hmm. Well, Ben, why don't you step in and tell us a little bit about your experience and your when you went through it. And what well, do you yeah, see? Uh, you know, one thing that I would add to Jay that I noticed that I remember him sharing when we went through the journey in 2013 uh, was the abiding piece. Right. That just kind of, that was one of the light bulbs that went off was John 15. It was like, where has this chapter been my whole life? You know, <laughs> and so... Really jumping into that uh, and realizing, what does that even mean? Why did Jesus say this 11 times, you know, right before he's going to the cross? And so the abiding piece. And so uh, for me, during that, those nine months of going through the journey um, was um, becoming a, a self-feeder, you know. So my, you know, I was saved at, you know, 10 years old, been a Christian my whole life. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, go through college. But I don't think I had ever pursued God in my life. But yet, I would have called myself a Christian. And so, you know, at that time, I was, whatever, 32 years old. And I was in this vicious cycle of, you know, newly married with kids. You know, you go to church on Sunday. You feel the guilt and the shame and the conviction. And I'm going to change on Monday. And then... You know, the week starts on Monday and then it flies by and then it's Sunday again. And it's like, man, I didn't do anything this week that I wanted to spiritually. And so it's that that cycle. And so how do you break out of that pattern of just going to church and sitting, you know, in the pew, but never really pursuing the Lord on your own time? So becoming a self-feeder was one of the light bulbs that went off for me. And so... As I started to, and that's why I love that the journey is because it was uh, a different environment than a traditional Bible study, you know, where you got one guy lecturing and everybody's just kind of listening. Whereas in the journey, um, you've got a guide and you got everybody reading and sharing and journaling and and, and being transparent, you would hope. Um, And so that was different is because it was taking ownership of your own journey time outside of the group sessions and so 
that really brought me along into learning how to dig into the word myself, which maybe, uh, you know, distractions in life or just time commitment, you know, um, but you hear a guy say, well, I just don't have time. Right. And so we have to make time. We have time. We just got to be intentional. Uh, and so when you sit down, you read God's word, um, you journal it and let this marinate on it and then let the spirit guide you, speak to you, convict you on it. it it's, that's where, uh, transformation occurs in the heart, you know, and then he can start doing business with you. So what has been some of the fruit of that that you've seen tangible fruit either in your marriage or your family, your work, whatever you want to say? I would say tangible fruit um, is being a vessel, you know, becoming a vessel. Um, I love the sailboat analogy, you know, that that Rocky uses. Um, There's some things that we have to do to position ourselves in order for the Spirit to work in and through us. And so the sailboat's not going to go if, you know, you don't, have your sails up to catch the, the power of the Spirit. And so uh, the fruit would be, uh, you know, we look at Galatians 5 and the fruit that, uh, you know, God shares with us. But I would say it starts with your home, you know, your wife, your kids. Um, and, you know, your, your wife gives you a look, so to speak, and, you know, that, that anger can flare up inside of you. Well, that's your anger. And are you going to respond in the flesh or are you going to respond in the Spirit? Many times before, you respond you respond in the flesh, and then you feel guilty. I didn't handle that the best way, and uh, then you got to come back and apologize. And so I would say the fruit would be um, being more patient, self-control. You know, you look at those fruits, and I think the Spirit starts to manifest those in your heart, and so your attitude changes and your actions change. Mm. That's good. And your wife would probably attest to that, I guess. Right. I mean, I'm not perfect for sure, you know, but I would say... Uh, we'll call her up next. Yeah, yeah. I would say that uh, just evaluate, self-evaluating my own heart, I can tell the difference. And so if, if I can notice it, I would sure hope that uh, those around me would notice it as well. Yeah. Well, I've heard a few people say that she would attest to that. Uh-huh. Then. So, uh, so, Jay, speaking of that, uh, part of your story was... Uh, your mother-in-law lives right. with you and your wife, and, yeah. and uh, she saw some changes in you that really affected her. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, towards the end of the process for me, um, my mother-in-law sat me down said she needed to talk, which is always a, could be an intimidating uh, <laughs> thing, especially if she, she lives with you. Um, but she, she looked me dead in the eye, and she said, I want to lead women through this process. And I said, Mom, I said, this thing is for men. It's meant to be in the marketplace. You know, you, you got the uh, the armor and the castle and the, the whole out analogy. I said, I just, you know, this is a man's gig. And uh, she said, no, I really, she said, I'm going to, I'm going to lead women through this. How do I get the stuff? I said, but mom, you don't understand. She said, listen, she said, um, you've been a, a good son-in-law. She said, but I've been watching you the past nine months. And she said, I've seen a change in you that you don't even realize has occurred. And she said, women need this too. And um, so from that point, she led a group of women, my wife included, um, first time to go through it, you know, first time guiding and going through it. And uh, from that, we've seen a birth of women here in Memphis going through the process and seeing the fruit. And um, uh, it's a blessing as a husband to see your wife um, transformed as she saw me transformed as well as impacting other women. And 
Um, Nicole, my wife, said something at our uh, event last weekend. She said Alicia and her were talking about me and Ben as we were going through the process. And uh, they legitimately ask each other questions, what's happening to our husbands? Mm-hmm. And um, that spoke more to me um, just you know, a week ago. Um, she had never shared that conversation with me. Uh, but it made me realize that the impact and the path that it set our marriage on, that it has uh, set our culture here in Memphis and, and our sphere of influence, um, that this thing is really a uh, game changer. Mm-hmm. You know, in marriages and in families and, and for our relationship with, with Christ. Yeah, when, when Rocky uh, obviously wrote the curriculum and set out to do this, he intended it to be for men in the marketplace. Right. And, and we have found that, that uh, it's hit a broader target. Right. Uh, and a lot of those men had wives, and the wives saw the changes. And, and uh, you remember a couple of years ago, Rocky and I came over here and uh, met with the ladies. Right. And I think there was 25 ladies over at Eric's house, yeah. and, and uh, we were just blown away hearing the stories of oh, how, how they never felt like they had a loving father, and, and so they didn't think God was loving, and, mm. you know, a lot of abuse, and just different things that are misperceptions, and, and w- there were so many tears, and I mean, it was like, right. we didn't even make it through the introductions, that right. two hours later, <laughs> so uh, so I, I, I we were like, obviously this works with women, so, right. so if any women out there are listening, uh, we can help you... Uh, Get hooked up with these ladies in Memphis, and they can talk to you how they did the journey. And, Absolutely, uh, there's a there's a side movement going on with the ladies, so which is pretty cool. Yeah. So, how about just between the two of you, just a few stories that come to your mind about things you've seen of of other men that you've seen go through the journey, and just just uh, how it how abiding in Christ has borne fruit in their life and created transformation and and real life change. I mean, what what any stories come to mind? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've got a we got a book full, I think. Um, <laughs> I, I think one of the things that the one of the some of the fruit from this thing is the intentionality that comes from it. As you're abiding, as we're journaling, as we're we're understanding the attributes of God and and becoming the self feeders, and, and we're putting that on paper. Um, you you start to be intentional as you look at at other people in your life and, and engaging. And um, one of the things that um, or one story that really sticks out is um, one of the guys who was going through the process, he quit about halfway through it, was just going through hard stuff in his life, and uh, slid the boots across the table and says, I'm done. Well, it, got, it was at the point of where there were hindrances to prayer, and he realized he had to make a choice, either get things right or continue in the life he was in. And uh, he chose to continue in the life he was in. It was just too much. Well, he calls me up, um, or I, I continue to reach out to him, and I, I sent him a text one night and said, hey, man, thinking about you, praying about you, you know, consider going through, you know, next year, what have you, and um, no response. And then I get a call the next February. That This was in October. I get a call the next February, and he says, hey, man, I'm in. And I said, what? He said, I'm in. Went, tell me when to come to a group. Hangs up the phone. It was no small talk. I mean, it was literally that blunt. And uh, he goes back through the process, and he shared at one of our events um, the night that I'd sent him that text. And this is, sounds dramatic, but it's it's what happened. He literally had the gun in his hand to take his life, mm-hmm. and he said the spirit brought to his mind, um, "I know that this guy loves me. I know these guys love me." And it was the love that was able to be extended to him by the abiding relationship with Christ 
and the intentionality of loving others as Christ loves us that I believe God used us to, to save his life and, and for him to have purpose now and he's gone through the process. Um, another one that I love to share is uh, during our extended time of prayer, a guy just had a, a conviction to share, to apologize to an ex-girlfriend. Uh, he's married now, has kids, and uh, I encouraged him at the prayer walk to call his wife and share with her. And uh, he did, and the wife actually found the phone number of the ex-girlfriend. And uh, he was able to call that ex-girlfriend and apologize for not respecting her emotionally. He said there were no, you know, physically, he said he felt like there were healthy boundaries, but he just didn't respect her emotionally. And uh, so years later, he calls this, this lady, and uh, she, she had tears of joy and appreciation. Um, but the Spirit convicted him during that extended time of prayer to do that. And um, it, it was just a cool transformation to see. Um, and that's not to say to see the just the general transition of the culture of transparency of the way men talk of the way we uh, conduct the way men conduct business some men have sold their homes some men have changed jobs and, and it just brings a heightened awareness of what does God want me to do versus what society is telling me or what I'm, I'm supposed to advance in a career well maybe I'm not supposed to take that promotion even mm-hmm. though it's more money it's not logical but the spirit is directing and the only way they can discern that is by having that intimate abiding relationship and having that direct line of communication in a healthy relationship with God. And so, um, you know, I, li- I like what you said there, and this is an important point, I think. You know, I think I've, this is not a knock on churches, but I think a lot of churches are trying to be relevant to the culture. Right. And I think what we're doing with influence is we're changing the culture. Absolutely. You know, and, and it's a different deal. Complete, yeah. Completely different. And it's a, uh, I mean, it's a basic um, biblical model of, of discipleship and, and relating in relationship with God. We are who we are. And that's men who are creating or being self-feeders and creating disciples mm-hmm. unapologetically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the foundation of who we are. And that, that does infiltrate churches and, you know, wherever a man touches, right, yeah. right. Wherever he goes. So Ben, how about you? Any, any stories come to mind? Yeah. I mean, we, we have the, uh, privilege of kind of seeing the ministry as a whole of the last three years and, and witnessing so many men that have gone through the journey process. So looking over the last three years and now we see where those guys were before they started the journey and now where they are after. Uh, from a level of uh, we see men that are serving in their church and other ministries that weren't serving before. Uh, we see men going on mission trips that previously they weren't going on mission trips. Um, working with local FCA and share, you know, and evangelizing to high school football teams, you know, on Friday night. And so uh, you can, in the, the only thing you can put your finger on is that, okay, they, they spent the time, they went deep over those nine months to figure out what it means to abide in Christ and then to live it out. And so you know that, uh, you know, that, that God did spiritual surgery on their heart during that time. And so now the fruit is coming out of that through, uh, their devotion, their service, their love, uh, and their commitment to the church, you know, and we have men that are in four or five, six different churches, you know, around mm. Memphis and Carville, and so um, it's, it's uh, sometimes you get caught up in kind of the grind of the ministry, but when you stop and you, you, you take a moment, you look back, and you see um, 
this army of men that are loving and serving is special to see. Because mm-hmm. I think what has happened, which happened to me, is as you go through the journey, I think what God does is He changes your perspective and He changes your your viewpoint. So it's like He removes the the, the lens of the world and He replaces it with a new spiritual lens. So mm-hmm. you can see the world the way that God does, and mm-hmm. that's a game changer, you mm-hmm. know. And, and Rocky's allegory, you know, with uh, the refugee camp and, and the castle and influencer and you know uh, mentor and learn all those characters it, it gives you a picture of I think what the way that God sees it you know mm-hmm. and it puts it into uh, real life and then you start running into people that you just know you know um, need the Lord you know they're lost uh, probably salvation hadn't occurred and so your heart now aches for that person and so I think that uh, men that go through this process start um, seeing those men and seeing those opportunities to share, to evangelize. And then, of course, we're always wanting to continue to disciple men. So you have men that come out and they say, wow, we want to got a group. Well, I mean, that's evidence there. that That's fruit from uh, them going through, you know, the journey group. So um, we just continue to hope and pray that, you know, God continues that force. Well, when you were telling your story, Ben, I was thinking about how uh, most of the men that I encounter are not refugees in the sense that they've never accepted Christ or never even know the gospel. And you got to take them across the bridge. Mm -hmm. Most men I find are hanging out at the the table of sweets. Right. They're in the kingdom. They're believers. They believe in Christ with all their heart, like you did. But they're not sitting at the banquet table. They're not. They're not feeding on God's word. You know, they're still on the baby food. Kind of, a, yeah. If, if it, best are at the baby food with the pastor, spoon feeding them once a week. There you go. You buddy. know. So, uh, so anyway, that's cool. Well, what, uh, Jay? What, what would you say your vision is? Uh, you know, for Memphis. We were looking at the map a minute ago and realizing you've barely scratched the surface. I mean, you guys are kind of working on a suburb of of Memphis, if you will, right now. But what's your vision? Right. Um, obviously, to to keep the duplication of the journey groups and the heartbeat of what this ministry is. And ways that I envision us doing that is building strategic relationships. And I think the more pastors that we can get to understand who we are um, as they see their men go through this and and them giving their blessing, so to speak, of support. And and I think encouraging the men who are in the the groups that we're about to start understanding the duplication process, understanding the, the true DNA of it. And that comes from our guide training. Um, I think it's imperative that we train our guides to have their eyes open to men in their group who could be potential guides. And they recognize these giftings in these men um, because I, I think the spread of this thing is going to come down to the participants, um, the, the, the grassroots. Hey, this is what transformed my life. And they're talking to their neighbor about it talking to their brother about it and then that entreats them and then they walk them through the process so really a, a grassroots approach but from a director standpoint I think building an awareness of who we are unapologetically and Rocky said something to me that really resonated early on to my introduction to this ministry he said son he said you do realize you don't need permission to make disciples and I think a lot of times we default to the local church to do things that it may or may not be equipped to do from staffing to vision to whatever it could be. And so this is a very pure, intentional way to accomplish discipleship. And so um, 
I, I just think it comes um, down to awareness, whether that's uh, BNI groups, whether that's FCA, Teen Challenge, uh, Calvary Rescue Mission. Just say, here's what we're about. We'd love to come alongside your ministries with men who are looking to live it out. Hey, do you have any men in your life that you think would be interested in going through this process? And so just plowing the field is the way I view it um, with, with influential, you know, members of the community that, that have influence. So. Ben, how about you? Where do you see this thing heading in Memphis in the next 10 years? Um, I think first and foremost, like Jay said, is we have to continue to multiply journey groups. That's the DNA of the ministry. Um, there's other things we do outside of that, locking shields once a month, um, different events. But uh, where the rubber meets the road is taking a man um, and getting him plugged into a journey group to where he can uh, learn how to have that intimate abiding relationship with the Lord. And so Rocky shared with us a couple of weeks ago, our bullseye is the men's marketplace, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to stay focused on that. Um, and if and and that can be intimidating for guys because say you're in the business world and, and God pricks your heart to have a conversation with a guy that you work with or a client or a customer, you know, there could be some fear and reservation there. You know, what if it goes south? You know, and then you've messed up a business, you know, relationship. Mm-hmm. But God calls us, you know, to be faithful in that. And I, so I think if we trust him in those moments of fear, that uh, he'll bless us with that. So we have to continue to go after men in the marketplace, um, which is what Rocky did. But um, the journey groups is, is what we want to do. Um, we also want to continue to, you know, um, partner with other churches, you know. Um, I think that a lot of churches uh, may not have a strategic, you know, discipleship model for their men. You know, they may have some Bible studies and, you know, you get a traditional four-week class, but, you know, this is nine months. This is a big commitment for a guy, you know. You tell a guy you want to sign up for nine months, you know, that kind of raises their eyebrows. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is a commitment, but uh, it is a... um, it's not the only tool, but obviously it's a very effective ministry and tool that the Lord is using and we're seeing fruit from. So continue to multiply those groups. Yeah, we were, we were talking earlier today about, uh, you know, our, if we were had our business hats on and we were using that strategy, we'd go knocking on the doors of churches and trying to get, you know, access and meet with the senior pastor. Yep. But the way it seems to work best is when one of our marketplace guys, mm-hmm. his life's changed and he can't wait to tell his pastor about it. And the pastor wants to listen to one of his influential guys, and and then that's how it comes in. That's right. And then the pastor's interested. Hey, right. maybe we ought to use this. Yeah. So. And Jay had a conversation yesterday with a pastor that that's exactly the way it happened. Yeah. Yeah, we're not in competition at all. We we just want to come alongside churches and and help help those who are interested and want to use our tool and all that. So. All right. So last question, I guess, uh, Jay, what would you say if if somebody's listening to this and they're in a city where we don't have influencers because this is still pretty new. Right. in this area. Absolutely. I mean, what what would you tell them? Um, Where do you start? What, you know? my, my first thought when you said it, it's worth a shot. Yeah. Uh, I think um, don't be intimidated by the newness of it. Don't be intimidated by not having experienced it. Um, the ministry itself is set up so well to train a guide through your guide training as well as the, the material that you walk through. It really is laid out beautifully. And having guided um, for the past four years, you, you simply go through the process again. So there's no magical formula. There's no uh, 
unique training to it, but simply take the opportunity to look at the world around you. And uh, Frank in Tulsa says, you know, men are walking around in quiet desperation. Mm-hmm. And, and to think about Jesus, the words of our Savior saying, go and make disciples. It's our biblical responsibility. It's our call to do that. And so find confidence in that. Find um, courage in knowing that um, that's what we're made to do. Yeah, and, and I've also uh, heard Rocky say this. If you want to do something that God's going to bless, do the things that he says to do in his word. Right. And he's, <laughs> he's glad to bless those things. Absolutely. And this happens to be one of those things. Right. You know? And it's not about our program or whatever. This just happens to work right. as a way to make disciples. You right. Know? And the beauty of it is just the or, the, it being an organic process and just being the way it's spread um, to the men that it's gotten to. It, it's been through life-changing experiences with the creator of the world. And uh, it's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can take one man who's fired up about it, he prays about a co-guide, right. start one group in a city. You know, so Rocky said, yeah, start small, go deep, and pray big. Absolutely. And and you'll be amazed at what those seeds can, how they can, you know, you turn around three years later and right. three to 500 guys, you know, go through the journey, you know, right. so yep. that's pretty cool. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, I think this has been helpful. I, I, I love good, guys. Love seeing you guys when we get together at our national yeah. events. You guys will know Jay and Ben. And uh, if you want a, a, a food tour of Memphis, these guys will be glad to <laughs> show you some of the best barbecue places yeah. in Memphis and other places. So right. uh, the foodies of our ministry. So, uh, all right. Well, this is the Influencers Network podcast, and uh, I've been your host, Brian Craig. Uh, we are just trying to help give helpful conversations and stories of life change. And uh, if there's anything you'd like to hear us talk about, send us an email at podcastquestions at influencers.org and, or go to our website, influencers.org, and uh, you'll find out lots of information. And by the way, if you are listening to this on our website, just know that you can also access these podcasts on your podcast app on your smartphone. Just search Influencers Global Ministries. So. Anyway, we hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I'm Brian Craig, encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples.